1: Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today, I am so excited to have on a 45-year-old from Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada. His hockey journey took him to Canada, the USA, Germany, and Northern Ireland. A seventh-round pick of the Quebec Nordiques in 94. A rookie of the year in the BCHL with the Powell River Paper Kings. And another Colorado College Tiger, where he was a third and second-team All-WCHA and second-team All-American, but he ended it with the Belfast Giants where he was an EIHL first-team All-Star, had the most goals by a D-man, and was the defenseman of the year in the EIHL en route to winning the title, but he is best known for 12-yard spielen in Deutschland, mit 9-yard spielen for the Straubing Tigers uh, as a Lynx Tidegger, and his jersey is retired. That's nine years in Straubing, folks. And his fear in Swansick, number twenty-four, is retired. There. Welcome to the podcast, Kelvin Elfrig.
0: Feeling dong, Wally. Uh, yeah. Thank you for that uh, lovely introduction. Uh, it's been uh, it was been a long and uh,
1: awesome journey. So thanks oh, for having me on. You, I appreciate it. You got a lot to cover, and uh, with guys that played in Germany, basically. Nobody can ever speak German. So you were there 12 years. Can du sprechen ein bisschen Deutsch? Ja,
0: yeah, kein klar, wir können in this Interview auf Deutsch machen, wenn du willst. The ganze uh, this...
1: the ganze podcast.
0: Ganz Podcast Deutsch. Deutsch. auf Deutsch. Yeah. Ich bin äh uh, a
1: mosh, keine <laughs> Chance.
0: Let me do a mosh. Ja, uh, alles uh, okay. <laughs> machen wir dann auf Englisch?
1: please (laughs) so anyways he said he could do the whole thing in German I cannot folks so uh good for him so that's 12 years in Germany eh? that's a long time so did you ever take classes or did you just pick it up
0: actually a little bit of both Uh, my first year there when I was in bad idling it was me a Canadian guy and all Germans in Czech so I kind of jumped right in feet first and I room my, the guy that I lived with next door was a German goalie. So everywhere I went, he was there with me and I was like, what's this, what's that? Tell me that, you know, first day by myself at the butcher trying to get a chicken you're just standing there flapping your arms. Like (laughs) I want chicken. And they're like, I don't know, they flap your arms a little bit, you want cow, you make a moo sound, and next thing you know, you got some beef, not sure what it is, what the cut is, and you got some chicken, and you're on to the next one.
1: Oh, man, the grocery store the first couple times, would you have no idea. Um, my, I sent my wife in the, her first week in Germany, and uh, she left the grocery store with no groceries, left them all on the... Uh, on the thing there where you pay whatever the whatever that's called I can't oh, yeah. think of and uh the lady was trying to explain to her that they weren't taking card i guess and <laughs> she didn't understand what she was saying and it turned into a the lady like not being so nice to my wife leaving crying and yep. you know those were trips to the grocery store right <laughs>
0: Oh, it sounds like that. You forgot to mention the people just invading your space and ramming their carts into the back of your legs. And...
1: Oh, I actually forgot about that because it's been so long, but you're right. You'd get nipped on the heels, eh, walking around the grocery store because everybody's in such a rush.
0: Wow, they just, you know, it's not personal space like they have here, but you learn and you adapt and you figure out and eventually after 12 years, you become a, a heel bonker with your cart.
1: I will never be a heel bonker. Not a chance. Right. <laughs> I give. I was giving everybody lots of space pre-pandemic.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. So how I usually get into this is how we know each other. And uh, we had played against each other very briefly, but uh, I guess we don't know each other that well because you didn't have my phone number to send me the pictures for the poster, eh? <laughs>
0: Yeah, this I uh, got off to a rocky start. You sent me your number. I put it in into my phone, and uh, some random guy in Ontario ended up with 12 pictures of or 10 pictures of me and my family and my hockey career. And you know, I caught it early, and I said, "Hey, sorry, buddy, wrong one." He's like, "Yeah, no shit."
1: <laughs> he must have been impressed, though. I was impressed. I didn't realize your jersey was retired until you sent me the photos. That's yeah, imp- that's impressive shit. We'll get into that, though. We're not there yet. Um, Because you also, we both played for the Beatingheim Steelers. Yeah. Um, You were there two years? Two years. That's before my time. And I think we both befriended a couple that were sponsors. And my my wife reminded me their names were Marcus Marcus and Simone Frank, right? Knew them really well. Great couple. Yeah. Son as well. Yeah. We'd go over there for dinners and drink their expensive wine. They were nice people. Yeah, great people. So, you had a good time in Beatingheim then? That's, I guess, how I knew your name is because they would bring you up like, oh, do you know him? And I'm like, no, I don't know him. And then I always remembered your name. And then I ended up, you were in Straubing, but then I ended up playing against you. Uh, Belfast versus Cardiff is what I wrote down. Yeah.
0: I think, was that the first time that the paths crossed? I know I've been all over and you've been. I think that's
1: the before. first time we played against each other.
0: Yeah. That was this the, when Kelman was in.
1: Right. Kelman was there. So that would have been my, my last season of hockey. And yeah, I, I know that because the other reason I have written down how we know each other is you won't know this one, but um, it was that playoff series that year. Um, we it's the back it's home and home, right? We played in Belfast and I think it was like a tie or something. <laughs> and then we were heading back to the big blue tent and I was walking to the bus after the game and I could tell it was your kids and your wife because they were wearing Elfring jerseys. And I heard the kids say, Mom, was that really dad's last hockey game we're going to see? And I was like, it hit home because I had a kid and I was near the end of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, but then to hear your kids asking that, it was like, whew, that's got to be hard.
0: Yeah, you know, getting a little choked up. Well, I about- heard it.
1: I was walking outside the arena and it hit home to me that I still remembered that your kid saying that.
0: Yeah, uh, that, uh, yeah, no, that was awesome. Thanks for uh, sharing that memory. That was uh, an important time for me. It was, I was one of the lucky ones that my kids were old enough and they got to kind of understand what daddy was doing, you know, after the games, you know how it is over there. The kids would come on the ice with me when you do the, uh, the fan lap, which I'm sure most North, North American people think what, what the hell is he talking about? But, you know, that was their favorite time of the year too. And even when I was younger, or sorry, when they were younger, after practice, they would come on the ice, throw the wheels on, and we'd spend about 20 minutes just shooting pucks and skating around. And I was. Yeah. So, how point. old
1: were they then that, that, near the end?
0: Uh, well, my daughter was in P3 and my son was in P1. So, in third or fourth grade and first grade, roughly.
1: So oh, they, yeah. Well, to be like a that. hockey player to have kids old enough that they can actually enjoy it, like what an experience. My kids weren't really old enough. Like, there were the couple seasons in Cardiff where I could take uh, Colby out on the ice and like mess around after practice and all the guys would stay out and play with him, And that was yeah. his first time skating and it's stuff you never forget. Right.
0: No, there's so many good memories with the kids. It's definitely uh, something I cherish and thanks for sharing that story that uh, I'll definitely pass that on to them.
1: Yeah. No worries. Um, and that brings us into your other child that, uh, how we know each other is Kansy.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm not going to sewer the guy too bad, but I will just say, I think what seven or eight years we played together and, uh, my kids called them uncle Kansy just on a random Tuesday, get ready, you know, wake up in the morning, kids would go down first. Who's on our couch sleeping Kansy guy knew how to break into it. He didn't have a key, but our back door, if you shook it a couple times and like jiggled it, you could open it. And he knew that if he came and slept on my couch, I would wake him up and take him to practice as opposed to sleeping through everything in his apartment. So my yeah. kids would wake up, go downstairs. Sometimes they draw on his face or jump on him. And, you know, it, it happened quite often. Uncle Kenzie was on Elfie's couch and I wake him up and take him to practice. <laughs>
1: Oh man, his episode, uh, Andy Canzanello, folks, I did not write down what episode it was, but it was recently, <laughs> um, it was quite the experience too. He showed up 12 beers deep.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to pump your tires as much as he did, but.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, you don't know, No, that. Yeah, he was, a, it was, it was a great time though. It was one of the funnest pods I've had yet.
0: <laughs> oh, just nonstop laughter. It's great. That's, you know. Well, there's was Hefe
1: in the background, eh? So, you know Hefe.
0: Yeah, I've been out to Vail a couple times and I've met those guys and they're just.
1: That's the background laugher, folks, of that episode. Yeah, it's definitely. our only episode with a background laugher. And I tell you, it made one experience.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm sure they were loving that too.
1: <laughs> it, was, it was a great night. I tell you, that's what I love about this pod is you just don't know what you're going to get. And it's like, I'm seeing all my friends again a decade uh, later, right?
0: <laughs> for you, It's so funny.
1: After his first sentence, I'm like, oh man, he's in one. He's yeah, I could a, tell right away, and then you could 14. see him looking for words, and my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I knew he was in one, but it made for an entertaining podcast. And- it sure did, and you know what? For how in one he was, he actually performed very well. Like, yeah. It could have been a lot worse if they, if the guy wasn't seasoned.
0: Should have played seven years with him and seen how he performed at practice still going like that.
1: Well, I, I really want to know because um, like, I see they retired your Jersey uh, so yeah. far have not done that for Kenzie. Um, But like he mentioned that he felt like one of your kids and you've explained that a bit Um, on this pod. We talk a lot about like going through different coaches and trying to stay in one place for a long time. So how do you? How does Kansas stay there that long? How many coaches did you guys go through?
0: Yeah, I, I honestly I don't know. I we counted one time, but uh, I think in the second because I was two years in the second league. Then we were Deutsche Meisters and moved up to the DL. I think that was the last year that the winning team moved up to the DEL. Then they locked it until recently, which I saw Beatingheim just went in. But my first two years in the. Despite this Bundesliga, I had, I think, four coaches and we were first place both years. And then the second, um, the first four years in the DL, we probably had six or seven coaches. And See, I didn't was, know was, if was, they would it was,
1: change it that but. much. I didn't think they'd change that much because I didn't think Straubing would have that big of expectations moving up to the first league.
0: It wasn't then. that, but at some, like the first three years were pretty rough and pretty lean in the DEL. Like we just went into games to survive. That was our mentality. One of our coaches like, Hey, if we can make it to the second period in Mannheim tied, that's a win. Like then we have a chance. That was the mentality going into any game.
1: And And I, uh, I understand that.
0: The fans would turn on the team and you know, you go on a five game losing streak or whatever it was. And then they would start yelling the trainer, trainer Rouse and, stop going to the games. Then you make a change. You show up for the new coach, play all right for, you know, five games and get out of the slump. And they did it more to appease the fans. It definitely wasn't the coach's fault, but in hockey or any other sport, who's the first one to go?
1: No, you're right though. And those fans did have uh, like, uh, they had sway. I tell you, they let players know which ones they didn't like too. Thresher, yeah. Belgian Whitbeer, Bayfield Brewing <laughs> Company. Um,
0: well, we sponsor.
1: This uh, Bayfield Brewing Company is by my biggest and re- re- only sponsor, really, that's full-time here on the what pod. What is that, a or? This is a Belgian wit beer. So it's, you know, it's, uh, you want me to get into it here? Yeah, you might as well. They're paying. You might as well promote them. Okay. The Thresher is a traditional Belgian wit beer, smooth and refreshing with a hint of coriander and orange. The it's Thresher funny. was invented in 1786, made with grain production, less laborious making wheat harvest much easier for Huron County farmers, including our family for many generations. This beer is our thanks to the farmers and all their hard work. Cheers.
0: Well, you know, I I appreciate that growing up in uh, Alberta. I was around all the farmers and the wheat farmers. So I appreciate that.
1: And that's, I'm still around all the farmers. That's my honey hole. Yeah, that's good, there you go. Where, what were we talking about?
0: Uh, We were talking about coaches getting fired. Granted, we did have our fair share of uh, suspect coaches. I I actually just went back and listened to your Smitty interview and you guys were talking about Britig, and I can remember some of my uh, German coaches that I had. And it was just, you know, for good or for bad, they had their own mentality. And at the time I was there, the first bit, they had the Russian mentality, two to three workouts a day, absolutely bury you into the ground run skate weights nap eat skate weights i just miserable miserable and we did a lot of our training camps in the czech republic too where there was nothing else out there and you're doing weights in this crazy so
1: was your coach
0: german yeah we had a bunch of german coaches we had yeah german uh dry dad was actually my coach one year uh, Leon guy keeps coming
1: up, hey! Eh? I didn't realize who yeah. I when I was over there a long time, and I didn't even realize I was playing against him.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Dreisaitl's dad, uh, Eric Kounakel, is a German legend. He was my first coach in the DEL that first year. And you,
1: you want to know a fun fact now for the pod? This is how small the yeah, hockey world is. You have a big coon too. Tom Kuhnackel is my son's favorite player because he, go. he got us down to meet all the Penguins and the Islanders. Which there. now the Islanders are his favorite team, but Tommy boy's not there Perfect. anymore.
0: Oh, uh, funny story about Tom. He uh, his dad, you know, most respected German hockey player, German Wayne Gretzky. He set his ringtone to Dmx, and uh, Kuhnackel <laughs> didn't know how to change it. So every time somebody called him, it was Dmx that would start playing. Tom put that on there. Oh. Yeah, on, on his dad's, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, it's amazing when you start talking around how small the hockey world is, though. It, like, it really is strange. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Okay, um, so we haven't got into yet. We got tied up with Kansy and everything. Because for me, I found it interesting that the two of you are both great dudes. Both yeah. great players. Kind of similar, like, both kind of offensive left-handed shot D-men That can move a little bit, not very physical, but like offensive and can play that you two were on the same team for like seven years. That is like the left side of your decor for seven years. And when you start changing coaches, I'm just surprised they kept both of you all the time. Yeah. Um, I know you're both good, but coaches like to change shit. They do. Uh,
0: I think, uh, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for it's that. It's being um, good dudes. Yeah, I think, you know, I was good to Straubing and Straubing was really good to me. I was really involved with the people, the community. I, you know, I was never one to sit back. I was always, you know, Kenzie was involved in different ways and, you know, he had his fun and I, I kind of had a different approach. But, um, you know, similar players, he was a little, little bit more gritty than I was for sure. And, uh, you know, I just, I guess I brought something different, but, you know, we both had phenomenal runs there and to be able to stay with a team for that long in any sport is uh, pretty impressive, I, I'll pump
1: um, that Um Okay, well, well, before we move on, um, we have a couple random questions. <laughs> Do you recall um, a story of where Kansy's car either got misplaced or went missing? Um, before a Sunday game. <laughs> I remember that
0: happening, but I don't know where it was. Or uh, It was down by the river. I, uh, I, I don't remember the details. If you got the details, I'd love to hear it. But I, don't. I,
1: I don't have the details. I just I heard I should ask. Okay, no worries. Yeah. <laughs> Next three things I'll bring up, and you can take it wherever you want. Okay? Yep. Your speed wobble, paprika <laughs> chips, or sling <laughs> Uh I don't
0: know. I, when I skated, I had this, uh, I wasn't the strongest of uh, players, I guess. So I, I, I always had kind of an awkward stride and an awkward uh, movement and it got dubbed the speed wobble. I'd give somebody like a head fake and it would look like a speed wobble. And then the next thing I'd be around them because they didn't know how to handle the speed wobble. (laughs) That started in Germany. Uh The the Damn paprika chips, like I'm from Canada. I love dill pickle, ketchup, all the good flavors. And the number one chip over there was just paprika chips. And we would watch Slingbox and eat paprika chips at my place or Kansy's place. On our computers, because they
1: didn't even have TVs. Bad chip game in Germany. Bad chip game. Great chip game in the UK. Unbelievable. They started calling them crisps, and they really took her to a new level, right? Potatoes, potato crisps are phenomenal, yeah. Um, Slingbox, though, I know all about that. That was my honey hole for the first few years of pro. Yeah, that was a vital part of living in Germany, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, well, to, to touch base on that, my first year over in Germany was in bad eye blink which is the third league. Uh, long story short, I had an offer in the second league, signed the contract, sent it back, got the call Monday and said, actually, we signed somebody else. So I ended up scrambling and then found a deal. I just wanted to get out of the East Coast and head overseas. And my first year over there, didn't have internet, didn't even have a phone in my house, had to go to this payphone downtown, had to go to an internet cafe to send correspondence to my uh, girlfriend now wife at the time it was uh when slingbox came along man that was just revolutionary my in-laws put it at their house and this was before you could just go online but they actually had to have it attached to their cable box and if they were watching a show i
1: just had to watch whatever they were watching oh yeah that's when the time change was crucial i mine was in my parents basement and you're right it hooked up to the internet and your cable and then you could literally change the station from Germany and it changed everything for imports in Germany. Cause I called the guy, Brandon Dietrich that got me over there when I was heading to LandSuit and I said, what do I need? He said, you need to bring your own sticks and yep. you need a sling box. <laughs> yep. Those are the two things. That's all you need. That's yeah. All you, all you need. These young punks won't know anything about it. This uh, YouTube, Netflix, prime, all that crap. Right. We just had a sling box.
0: Slingbox, and then a couple of years, I ended up getting that British satellite. You paid someone on the black market, you get a satellite from the UK.
1: And were you the one teaching Schmidty episode three to do that? Then he was doing that too. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think uh, we watched Friends probably the whole season, probably you know five times a year from front to back because there's just nothing else on.
1: Oh man, yeah. If you didn't, I, if I wouldn't, if I'd gone over there without the slingbox, I don't know if I would have lasted because man, you can only watch so much CNN.
0: So, yeah.
1: Okay. Moving on then. We have not got into anything yet. We've just been talking, but that's okay. That's a good thing. Um, where and what are you doing now? Uh, I'm in Phoenix,
0: Arizona. Well, Chandler, which is just south of it. My uh, wife's from here. I lost the battle of weathers. She's like, I ain't going to live in Canada. I'm not doing a winner. So we actually bought a place here a while back, probably 15 years ago. And we Did always- I
1: see you playing in Phoenix anywhere?
0: No, no. Colorado College. Met her in school. Oh, Locked, okay. her down. Locked her down in college. And then, uh, yeah, so we moved here. We were always summer after the season, which was kind of crazy in the 40 degree heat. And for a job now, I'm working for strikers, selling medical devices. So I sell hip and knee implants for the
1: elderly in Phoenix, which is a, a booming market, I would say. Okay. That's good. You got into that. I know a couple other hockey players that got into that line of work.
0: Yeah. You know, it it fits our personality really well. If anyone's looking to get into a job that's
1: listening, the med device sales is perfect for athletes. Chris Frank, Dave Kuzno. That's a couple I know, um, but I don't really know. How does that work with our mentality? What do you mean? Is it like high pressure and you got to make, what is it?
0: It, it's, 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 can get high
1: pressure situations, but competitive. it's
0: competitive. Uh, I'm not sitting at a desk all day. I'm in the operating room every day, in and out on my feet, walking around. Uh, I spend probably 85% of my time in the operating room with the surgeons, helping the hospital staff, opening boxes, doing stuff like that, observing the surgery. So today I did, uh, you know, we did four knee replacements and two hip replacements. You got an extra knee for me. Yeah, come on down. I got a surgeon. I got everything for you. We give good prices
1: to Canadians that come down too. Well, they won't give me one until I'm like 60 or something, they say. Uh, or, but whatever, I'm still living for a bit here <laughs> until it you're locks good. again. <laughs> <You're good. laughs> yeah, somewhat until I try skating in front of the kids and leg gives out and it's uh, quite the scene. But okay, so you're in Arizona and you did just tell me the other day you were golfing at TPC Scottsdale and that was a nice day.
0: Yeah, it was great. It's a little warm right now, but the price point is right on and you can get through around pretty quick, but, uh, there's probably is that part of products. the
1: medical device sales.
0: No, that's just on my own with my buddies. I got a good foursome that I usually play with and we kind of rotate in and out. And it's, uh, it's what,
1: what everyone does down here. I, un- I understand. <laughs> I podcast up here. <laughs> 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 so how old are the kids nowadays? Uh, my daughter is a sophomore. She's
0: 14. She uh, swims on the swim team in her high school, which is pretty cool. And My son's in eighth grade. He plays club baseball, and he's playing on his middle school baseball team, too.
1: Okay. So, um, well, on the swim team, what stroke she into?
0: She's uh, freestyle and back are her two strongest. She hates the breaststroke and tolerates the uh, butterfly.
1: Yeah, butterfly is a bit exhausting, I they're all I flow like a rock. So just you know oh, I, I'm quite buoyant. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> Moving on. Minor hockey in Lethbridge to the Powell River Paper Kings. Yeah. Uh, Give me a rundown.
0: I grew up in Lethbridge for the first little bit. Then I moved to a little town outside called Coldale, but continue to play in Lethbridge. Played my first year of midget in Lethbridge uh was property of the swift current broncos at the time drafted uh, then uh i wasn't drafted i was protected i don't, I don't really remember how that works. but i ended up getting protected on their 50 man protected list and uh i went to their camp as a 16 year old and they wanted me to play exhibition games and my dad's like no i'm not gonna happen and uh, great luckily i didn't because you're ineligible at that point if you play good call they're trying to pigeonhole me there, and then I just started uh, looking into junior teams. I could have went to Humboldt or Powell River, and they both kind of offered me a spot there. And at the time, the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League was pretty rough and tumble at the time, and I was about six feet, 145 pounds, maybe. So I figured that the BCJ suited my style a little bit better. It wasn't. Uh, I guess as much of a meat and mutant squad like the Saskatchewan junior hockey league was. So I was uh, more than happy to head out West and I got lucky. I ended up on a really good team in Powell river and a really good organization.
1: Um, When you hear that story of the major junior team, like trying to get you to play exhibition games or trying to stay longer to give up your, your opportunity like that's why I had the guy on that drafted me that didn't do that to me I had him on the podcast Dan Butler because I was so thankful that he said you know what we're not even sure we liked you we thought you had a better camp before we thought you're making the team but you know if you think you can get a scholarship then do what's best for you and those are the type of people you need in hockey right I don't think that they
0: exist as much as they used to, but I I just remember guys getting, you know, playing two, two bloody games exhibition and ruin their, their college eligibility. It was crazy.
1: Makes no Uh, sense. Yeah.
0: They just said, we want you to play I'm not making them sound like a bad organization. They just wanted me to play exhibition games. And I was like, well, I, I, my dad's not sure. They're like, well, we really want to see you. And I was like, well, if you want to see me, you can see me next year. You know what? kind of like that. And Thankfully I stayed under the four days or whatever it was, or 48 hours and went to their camp and then
1: went back home. And so then you do move away from home and Powell is away from home then. Eh?
0: Powell is away from home. It's, it's, uh, right on the coast and you think you can drive to it, but because that coast has so many inlets I had, you had to take two ferries to get to Vancouver. So it wasn't just, a, it's only 60 miles north of Vancouver. You had to take two separate ferries. So it was about five hours just to get to Vancouver. And then if you had to head into the inland, it was a
1: little bit longer. Okay. I have no idea about out west. I've never really been out there.
0: Yeah. So, but it was awesome. You know, what are some of the best times you had on the bus? We had a sleeper bus back in junior and we'd pull up to the ferry to we'd go play in Bellingham, show up at the ferry terminal. Ferry would be gone. We just sleep on the bus in these bunk beds. The, the rookies had double beds and the vets had single beds on the one side. So you can imagine what that would smell like. Just 16 to 20 year olds on a just, bus. Weekend.
1: Just BO and farts.
0: Fart sandwiches. And we would, Ferry uh, would leave at six in the morning, get back to Powell River at nine, go to school, rinse and repeat kind of stuff. But some of the best times have been on the buses and travel and hanging out with the guys.
1: That's what you miss. Like that is exactly what we're doing right now. It's the same type of shit you'd be doing on there. Um, So then you got recruited out of, out of Powell and you only played one year there. Is that correct? Yeah. My senior
0: year in high school, uh, we had a pretty good team and I got lucky at the same time. We had a guy on our team named Robbie Gordon and he was a high, high draft pick, high
1: prospect. He ended up going to the second round. He was bringing in the scouts.
0: Yeah, so, you know, I, I got lucky. Scouts were in the building all the time, you know, watch Ravi kind of catch their eye. I had a good year that year. Uh, that was my first year of the draft eligibility. And by about Christmas, I had a bunch of different offers, started taking all my visits, which, you know, th- that was so much fun in itself, going on these visits as a 17-year-old. I'm sure it's changed a lot now, but you go to these schools. And it's probably more
1: rules now, eh?
0: Yeah, you know, they just try to get you down there, get you hammered, and go to these college parties. At I was only seventeen, and I was like holy crap. Me too.
1: It is the best thing in the world. <laughs> you feel so special too.
0: <laughs> oh, you go into the hotel and they're like just order whatever you want for room service. It's, you know, the
1: world and don't be cheap because the school's paying. You know, get whatever you want. Oh, it's like when we went down to Western Michigan. I thought the coaches were going to try to like service like they 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 would have done anything um uh, for my to my parents to like they would have done anything i thought they were going to service my wife or sorry my mom right under the the table where they're taking us out to eat because they just would have done anything like anything yeah.
0: oh, i know it's crazy it's but crazy. then once
1: you get there that it's not like that <laughs>
0: Yeah, you're like, well, where's the room service now, guys? It's <laughs> yeah. now it's like dropping up on campus. I don't think I don't
1: think they talked to my parents again for the next few years, but
0: <laughs> here's where you need to go for class. And here's How'd the you end
1: up in Colorado College because it's the nicest city I've ever seen with my eyes? Is that why?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's part of it. Uh I I wanted to stay out west. My dad, he, you know, my mom and dad love to watch hockey and it's not that long of a drive. When you put it into perspective, it's, you know, 19 hours, whatever it is, but that's nothing for a Canadian drive to Vancouver. It takes 12 hours from the bridge. So I wanted to kind of stay out west where my parents could go. Uh, I initially committed to Denver. Uh, they fired their coach and I called them up. I'm like, Hey, I, you know, I have a scholarship. Where my, where do I stand right now? And they're like, honestly, we don't know. We got to see what the new coach wants. And so then at that point, I just kind of opened it up and figured out, uh, did a couple more visits, went to Michigan, and then went to Colorado College and narrowed it down to those two and ended up just, I love Colorado College. Smaller school, wasn't 50,000 people. Academically, it was better
1: suited for me as well. Not many people are getting recruited to Michigan.
0: Well, you know, 25 every four years or whatever, I don't yeah, know. Yeah,
1: but you you were a big fish to be getting, you know, be on their radar so did you get drafted to the nhl before you went to school yeah when back in Powell river when i was with uh, so you were a big fish oh yeah those guys getting drafted before school man these you guys are something yeah
0: yeah it was fun i would like to go back to and have a do-over and get to do all those visits again and get wine and dined again like that
1: yeah yeah nobody's taking us out anymore are they
0: (laughs) no no we're we're taking people out now that's what's happening (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah i'm taking them out to my shed
0: <laughs> yeah well, it's too hot for a shed here you're lucky <laughs>
1: um okay i lost my i don't know i just start we just started talking there so then no, you okay. go to colorado college um you were getting recruited to denver i can understand why you want to go there too because you're getting yeah. recruited to some big time schools so you go to colorado college i know a bunch of guys that played there because i played against them but you're a different generation. I looked at the teams. I didn't know anybody. So, you guys, any good?
0: Yeah. Well, '96, we lost to Michigan
1: in the finals in oh, overtime. Nuts! And like yeah. the final four, like in the finals for the national championship. Yeah, we lost to Michigan 3-2 in overtime.
0: Brendan Morrison, I'm sure you've heard that name. Still haunts me to this day. Scored the game-winning goal.
1: Oh, sorry. I didn't mean yeah. to bring it up. So you, oh. you, at least you guys played meaningful games. I mean.
0: Yeah, well, we, were, we went uh, Final Four twice, 96, which we lost. And then 97, we uh, lost in the first game in the semis. We went to the tournament every year, went to the uh, four years, we went to the tournament, which was so awesome. The, the only thing I
1: would say to that then is I'm surprised if your team was that good that I, because obviously I've heard of Brandon Morrison, like yeah. I, I'm surprised I didn't know more names on your team if, if you were doing that good
0: we were a really, really good college team. Like we had, you know, college is kind of weird. You get the you're best right. players, like they'll dominate. And then you, you you look at their pro stats and they just, they don't translate. This was back, the WCHA had the 200 by 100 ice and guys could just float around and you're fast. It's, it's a different game, but they've changed that now. They built a new rink at Colorado College, North, uh, NHL size, and they're trying to
1: develop more nhl type players okay because yeah that rank was the most exhausting thing i've ever been a part of the elevation and how big it was i hated every second of it
0: oh we loved it there you would look over on the visiting bench michigan tech i remember
1: they would bring oxygen on the bench and start sucking oxygen you know? uh, my face i'd just get furnace face but it happened every game whether there's elevation or not
0: <laughs>
1: yeah
0: right. that, that happens <laughs>
1: Okay, so then your career goes well, and obviously you're a second and third team all WCHA and an All-American. So usually, this is what I think, usually All-Americans back then were getting some pretty nice signing bonuses, but it doesn't look like you got that, eh? Well, I came out and uh, Colorado, because Quebec
0: moved to Colorado, half the people probably don't even know what the Nordiques are. But uh, their final offer was a three-way entry-level deal, NHL, AHL Coast with zero signing bonus. I'm like, I want two-way deal. Just give me $50,000. That's all I wanted. And they're like, no, nope, you got to come to camp and earn it. So I was like, well, I'm not signing a three-way and you're not giving me, it's over $50,000. And they're like, no, not doing it.
1: I've heard, so heard a- of a three-way. Like that's basically saying we're going to put you in the Coast.
0: Which is that, and I, you know, my agent's like, if you want to, if you're gonna play in the coast, you pick where you want to go, or you go where they want. You don't, you don't want to get buried. So I ended up going to their rookie camp for two months in Hershey, then spent a couple of weeks at their main camp in Colorado. Uh, without got, a
1: contract.
0: Without a contract, uh, got cut, and then I was like, well, all right, I'm gonna. I went to that Team Canada. I don't know if you remember that that in, that Team Canada, that international team.
1: It was, yeah, I, I don't really, I know some guys, like, I know some guys that were a part of that, but, like, I don't really know what it was. It was, like, you guys just traveled around and played, right? You went, you didn't play pro. Well,
0: you did. You played pro. I got to grab my charger. But uh, you played pro, but you only played one or two home games a year out of Calgary, and all the other games were overseas. So, you go spend two weeks in Russia, you go spend two weeks in wherever, like, Germany, but you never had home games. You just traveled and played, you know, you go play in the Spangler Cup, all of that stuff. But anyways, I went there because they were recruiting me all summer, thinking I'd be a good fit for European-style hockey. And I got there, and I got really sick. I ended up going to the hospital for a week. And then by the time trials were done, they're like, well, (laughs) team's made, you're not staying so this is that's now team 3 by you know september
1: and oh then, so you didn't make it at the last navigating lieutenant um <laughs> so you didn't make it the last moment there so then you and that's how deep into like a season are we talking well tr- training camp still
0: so i'm the, the rookie camp was you know end of august main camp was september then i ripped over to canada to try out the canadian national team Got cut there. Colorado calls me back up. they are like, we need you in the AHL. So then I go sign whatever those PTOs, 25-game PTOs in the AHL, spend a month or two there. And then they're like, well, we're going to let you go. And where do you want to go? And I was like, well, I want to go to PD in the East Coast. I got a buddy there. I ended
1: up going to PD. Where's that? um, uh, South Carolina. Well, That's all right. That makes sense. You want to go to South Carolina. but
0: they had an old team and I literally for 10 games was just a grocery stick between the forward and the defenseman didn't play. We, I remember we had a four games and four nights and the fourth game was two o'clock on a Sunday and I maybe played three minutes. Meanwhile, the people are basically dying on the bench.
1: Oh, and it's, it's hard to crack into back then, like into pro hockey. If you didn't have the right contract, Or, you know, or like like you say, you go to PD and that coach, does he really care about you? Does he know you? He's got the guys on the team he already knows, right?
0: Yeah. And then I get called up to the A, back to, I think, Cincinnati, get a PTO up there, spend a little time, and then meet
1: while I'm up in Cincinnati. So you get called up after not getting, like, any ice time in the coast and, like, you're not doing anything? And then you get called up. I played against Cincinnati when I was with Hershey.
0: They liked me, so they called me up, which was, you know, all right, fine. Then when I'm up in uh, wherever I was, Cincinnati, I asked for a trade, or they traded me to Roanoke, and then I finally finished in Roanoke, which was maybe – Where's that? uh, Virginia. Roanoke Express, East Coast. And ended up – so I was in a hotel till about January or February and then settled in into Roanoke and – Kind of spent three years there as my hub and home base.
1: Yeah, I did see that 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 was like your kind of you that's where you fit in in the coast. And then so your first year you do you have a couple call ups and you then you find a place that likes you. So then the next year you could just go back to Roanoke on a coast deal. Yeah, I just went back to Roanoke and I saw you got called up to the AHL and the IHL. Oh yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Spent, had a little cup of coffee in uh, Utah. Twice got called up to Utah. First time, they're like, yeah, we need a D-man. We're missing a D-man. Need you bad. All right, fine. I'll play it for the weekend. Kansas City. Go out for a warm-up. Coach, I think, was Bob Bourne, the old Islander. I come off the ice, and he's like, yeah, you're not playing tonight. I'm like, well, you why am I here? Court? Why? Why? He's like, I-, I didn't like the way you skated in warm-ups. Uh, we're not going to play. I'm like. All right, you're gonna play five, four D and four forwards. He's like, "Yep." He's like, "All right." So I sat up there, collected my three day weekend PTO money, and then went back to Roanoke. Didn't even play a game.
1: Oh man, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing in the hockey world when coaches see something they don't like, and then that's that. Like we had a guy that came to Beatingheim in the second league in Germany for a two week tryout. He gets cut from the second league in Germany. So then he signs in the Finnish Elite League. Oh way. (laughs) Because that makes sense, right? And then I'm still sitting there in Beatingheim going, well, how does that work?
0: (laughs) Crazy world. It is,
1: but the the coach didn't like that he used a small stick for a tall guy. Yeah, sounds about right. Just didn't like it. He couldn't handle that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so okay, you get a you know, a couple coffees there, and then uh the third year back to Roanoke. Um, you're grinding it out. You're on the sleeper buses, you're you're moving around North America on the bus, and you get fifty-three points and 70 games played. A eh? so you're, you you got to be one of the top scoring coast D-man. eh?
0: Yeah. the the last two years there I was on the, the, the all-star game and all of that stuff and had yeah, a good, They must year. not
1: have been putting that on uh, my, my research team must've missed that. Cause it's not on the websites from well, back the internet.
0: Then. The internet didn't exist back then. So it wasn't that big of a thing. But I understand. I, I loved my time in the East coast. I had an absolute blast, but I didn't want to spend more than three years playing 80 games a year, making six, 700, whatever a week. Uh, it, it just wasn't worth it, the grind. And that last year, I didn't get called up at again. So I was like, well, you know, I'm going to head overseas. I always wanted to travel Europe and figure well, I'd go for a couple of years over there.
1: You seem like the perfect player to head over. And, um, like, it, it makes sense. I had it figured out here. It's like, yeah, by the third year, you get no call-ups, but you're getting a ton of points. And you're like, well, obviously, I'm getting older, and the, the call-ups just aren't really going to – like, it's time to go, especially the, the skill set you have. And I was – now, you, I think you told me you had a second league offer and then you had to scramble because I was curious how, with your stats, why you're going to the Oberliga. But um, this is the fun part of this podcast, okay, is it brings people together. I had someone from Germany write to me, okay, when I said you were coming on. They wrote, you have to ask him – about painting the blue line for bad abling
0: bad i i well i don't know if we have enough time to talk about bad idling but i'll get to the blue line story but i gotta tell you my first story for bad idling i, I sign whatever all that happened get my flight you know you prepay your own flight they reimburse you right i show up to the airport fly over to munich i'm sitting in the airport nobody picks me up i'm like all right fine five hours go by still nobody I got travelers checks I don't have any kind of Deutschmark at the time which was what you use you didn't even have euros and I couldn't get food I couldn't get anything I couldn't speak to anybody I didn't know who to call so I'm just sitting there for five hours apparently the lady that was supposed to pick me up showed up to work at you know one o'clock it's like everything go good picking up Kelvin she's like "Oh, I thought that was tomorrow so they totally forgot me. I thought somebody was playing a joke on me and left me at the airport and I was just going to fly back home. And then, you know, you get in the car, she's smoking cigarettes for the th- two hour drive to get to bad idling. I haven't eaten. She doesn't offer to stop, get me any food, nothing. And then uh, I get to my apartment. which And is you'd a bug-
1: be a bit jet lagged because when you first show up, it's like the morning. You haven't slept all night and all you want to do is go to sleep, but then you get all messed up if you do, yeah. right? But at this point I'm just starving. I need to eat
0: anything. I get to my apartment, which was on a farm above a barn. And as we round the corner, there's this gutted pig steaming, just hanging from its feet and they just butchered it and they just baked it to get it all cooked up and ready to go. And then I walk up into my apartment, back to that German guy that I lived with. He's like, oh, do you want a pizza? I just made one. I was like, oh, perfect. Like I'm starving, I'll eat anything. And I take a bite and I'm like, what is this? And he's like, it's tuna fish and onion, which is not a good pizza. I'll tell you. And, and
1: they do make it over there. there. I've seen yeah. it over there. They are putting tuna on pizza, aren't they? Yeah.
0: And I, uh, need to say, I went to my room and just started puking. I had such anxiety and I was like, man, this is going to be the worst time ever. Obviously got a lot better, stayed a long time, but then blue line story. I was just sitting at my apartment. They just stopped by and I'm like, hey, what are you doing today? I'm like, mm, nothing, you know, it's day off. He's like, all right, you know, let's go to the rink, come with us. I was like, all right, fine. Get to the rink, they hand me a paintbrush and I got to start painting the blue lines and the circles at the rink. And really? as, Yeah, like I painted the ice. And then it was, I remember the day too, as I was painting it over the intercom that was in news, and that was 9-11 when the planes flew into the Twin Towers.
1: Oh, yeah. I remember where I was that day, too. But I'm not getting into that. So that's yeah. crazy that you had to go over there and paint the lines as one of their imports.
0: Yep. And they just thought it was normal thing to do. Just show up, bring them to the rink, and paint the blue lines.
1: Well, they're paying you, right? You're employee of the team. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, the best part about that contract was to get second league money in the third league. I had a clause that if the owner liked me after one month, I would get a, a substantial bonus. So I remember going into his office after a month. I was like, do you like me? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay, well, you know. Make it happen. Team. Yeah. And he gave me, you know,
1: a stack of cash
0: and said, go on, go on your way.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's a interesting world over there. It's totally different. It's fun talking to guys that got to live this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the one thing is is for yourself and Greg Schmidt, episode three, both of you two were guys that started in the Oberliga and worked your way up to the D E L A. So um I guess we will, we'll get to that, but that's impressive because not many guys do that. Most guys don't get out of the Oberliga. You go over there, you're an Oberliga guy for life. It's kind of like when you start in the coast, right? Yeah. I got lucky. The coach that I had in
0: Bad Eibling, he uh, he got hired because we were projected – you know, they come out of those lists every year. We were projected to finish, I think, 13th place that year, and we ended up finishing second or third, which was – like the worst team. We, we averaged about 190 fans a game in that Overliga arena. It was crazy. And he got offered the job in Beedingheim and brought me along with him. That was
1: the one stipulation. What's his team. name? Uh, Marcus Beervonger The Bearvonger. Yeah. I don't know the Bearvonger. No, um Big Barry. Big Barry. Big Bearvong. Okay, I don't know him. Um, he lasted two or three months in Beedingheim and got moved on. Bad Eibling, where is that? Uh, just outside of Mu- uh, Rosenheim. Oh, Second. right outside of Rosenheim. You weren't playing in the Rosenheim arena, though. No, well, we had our
0: own arena, not that big. Fog so, you're day. in
1: Bavaria, so you're right by Straubing, where you spent most of your time then.
0: Yeah, it was right outside of Munich. The first two weeks we were there,
1: they had one of their big giant beer festivals. Oh, talk dirty to me, Elfie,
0: and we would go. We would practice at six o'clock at night in the Oberliga. So we would go to the beer festival every night, go home. I didn't change time probably till about three months into the season because we didn't practice till
1: six o'clock at night. Because you're in that league and there's guys that have jobs.
0: Yeah, they have jobs. They work in the morning and there's like six imports or, sorry, there was three imports at the time in that league. And then there was the odd German that uh, didn't have to work as well. So it was – It was quite comical. Didn't change my clock from U.S. time. You
1: must have had some fun, though. Those beer tents at the start of a season, they can really bring a team together, can't they? Well,
0: it's such a a fun time.
1: It is. It's the best thing you can – it's the most fun you can have, I think, like going out for a night is going to one of those beer tents.
0: Yeah, they shut the tents down at, like, 10 o'clock, and you can either take a left and go home or take a right and go downtown. You could do whatever you want, just kind of depending on how the night was going.
1: The Foosganger zone. <laughs> the
0: Foosganger zone, <zoning. laughs>
1: That's the walking street, folks. Uh, the walking <laughs> That's downtown. <street>. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Where am I now? So you're yeah, I know why you go to bad abling, but and then I get why you end up in Beedingheim. So then uh, where do you live in beating What I'm just curious. Do you know like I don't know how to even explain where I live, but I live
0: right live? across the street from the train station.
1: Oh, okay. There was a, like a higher, like four apartments there. I By a know. bakery? Yeah. Yeah. Justin Kelly lived there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Their goat. They they retired his jersey. I used yeah, to. So I used to go party in that apartment just to let you know. Isn't that weird how small the hockey world is? Because we've never yeah. really met. I used to party in your apartment. Yeah. You were right there. We used to play beer yeah. pong there. <laughs> nice apartment. <laughs> it was. Yeah. A little patio off the top there.
0: Yeah. Oh, Be- Beatingheim was great. That was when I first got introduced to the Kabinen Fests
1: in oh, Beatingheim. You didn't have them in Bad Eye because you were painting the lines instead of Cabina Fest. You
0: guys were working.
1: So yeah. so talk to me. Tell me about your Be- your Cabina Fest experience.
0: Uh, beatingheim was fantastic. I played with a guy, uh, Craig Teeple. Uh, you probably heard the name the yep. legend there. And regardless if there was a cabin infest fest or not, me and him convinced our wives that every Tuesday there was a cabine infest. fest. So regardless, if there was one of these locker room parties, me and him would always go out in the town on a Tuesday night. This, be- twice- this is
1: before all the uh, social yeah. media and yeah. phones, because you're not getting away with that shit now.
0: I'll get away with that now. So every Tuesday and we, you know, you'd get, you get know, six guys that would join us, or sometimes it would just be me and teeps out on the town having our own little convening fest but the Beatingheim was fun too because we would have uh, whoever usually went home first we would mess with them and I remember we had this check Peter Gould I think his kid played in the league a little bit after him but he would always be one of the first ones to go and we would just constantly mess with him. one night was chicken wings so we took the plug out of his easton put some chicken wings down it in his stick. In his stick. And it was rattling, you know, like he couldn't figure it out. Took the blade out, tried to get it out, thought it was a piece of glue. Couldn't get anything out. He just rattled for about two weeks. And then finally. Did he one play stick...
1: games with the chicken wings in there? Oh, yeah. He played two weeks with chicken wings in his
0: stick. <laughs> he had no idea. And his stick finally broke one day and he figured out
1: that he had chicken wings in it. So what was a cabina fest and beating high back then? Cause Britig wouldn't let us have any, we weren't allowed oh, to drink really? if we had one. So like, did you guys bring food into the locker room and drink or was it just drinking?
0: Every, every new guy to a team had to host a cabina fest. So you usually do it with two guys. So you'd go talk to a Metzgerai or a Duner
1: kebab shop and say, Hey, we need that's a, that's the, that's the butcher or the kebab shop folks like it go. sounded like yeah there
0: you go. but you're in the kebab shop and be like we need 30 kebabs and some fries oh you're and talking dirty again Alfie stop it with a little sharp sauce on it some mm. hot sauce and then you bring like three cases of beer which you know cases of beer over there were like ten dollars each and you just sit there and drink beer and eat food and play cards and you could sit in the dressing room and the rink would be closed you just kind of walk out or they would kick you out at 10 and either go to the foosganger Zone or you go home, depending on who you are and what you're up
1: to. And but what we age were- you bracket you are, if you got kids, all, all yeah. the above factor into your decisions leaving the locker room that night. <laughs> um, but you, so you played in the old barn in Beatingheim too, eh? Um, yeah. Like where you walk out the back of the arena and then there's the pizza place right there in the mini golf.
0: Yep. Yeah, the old pizza place in mini golf. That was uh, it. Was the old rink? It was, you know, maybe like three thousand fans or whatever it was. But we were doing really well at the time, and it was always sold out and loud. Great
1: atmosphere. Great right?
0: atmosphere. Great fans. I mean, people in North America don't really appreciate. I'll take three thousand crazy Germans in a little barn over twenty thousand in the NHL arena.
1: Any day. Yeah. Any day. Totally different. Not even close. No. Yeah, it's funny. I think, I don't know if North American fans think they cheer or not. I don't know if they have any idea. Sorry for burping the mic. Again, folks, my bad. Um, okay. Um, so Beatingheim was fun. I spent four years there. You had two. So that's when did your wife start coming over then? She didn't come bad eyeballing year.
0: She came first year in Beatingheim. And then, no, sorry, second year in Beatingheim. And then uh, we built a home so she stayed back my first year in Straubing and then she was there the rest of the time
1: after that. Okay. So there was a couple of years that uh, she
0: wasn't with me.
1: So. Yeah. And that's, yeah. those are the nights where you get to, you know, check out the foosganger zone a little later than yeah. you get to other ones. <laughs> yeah. You,
0: you got a little bit more of a leash, we'll say. You
1: know. Yeah but we don't we don't call it that girls we don't call it that but just kind of how it works we do it you know we're the reason we come home we want to right exactly yeah mm-hmm. okay so then what's the decision actually no there's some people you played with that i know in beatingheim dirk Robel, also dirk? a potter he was a, a young park. buck back then eh Oh, I don't think he had hair on his nuts back then. He was uh, so He young, still but... might not. Those was German shave <laughs> everything, man.
0: <laughs> uh, he was such a good kid. He was young and just up and coming. He was, I remember he was so respectful, and I was so happy to see how long that he played and stuck it out there. It's It was a great career for
1: Wow, he hurt his arm there and didn't last as long as he should, but he did get yeah. his jersey retired, and he was a potter. So that I, I just realized I've had three people on, that have had their jerseys retired in Germany. That's pretty cool for a guy in my shed, you, you know? You and you this, this week I'm having you on, which is a German legend. I'm having a Swiss coach legend on. And I'm having, uh, I had Jonathan Phillips on, which is a UK legend. Yeah, tell you, really hitting the globe this week.
0: Well, you're an international man of mysteries. So
1: well, we'll you, all. all from the shed via Zoom. I'm <laughs> going <laughs> beat it um okay other than Durkey boy well, we got uh florian young gratza and renee yeah. Schofs. i know all of those boys oh yeah
0: those are all good kids gratza yeah.
1: gratza was done no he was done when i was there i actually i'm surprised he was ever a hockey player he didn't look like one he, he just had one speed he was just a tasmanian devil who would just run into everything is that right eh? yeah um okay renee shoves ended up playing over a thousand games now there which that is bonkers he he was probably 16 when he played with me like that's when his pro career starts right and that's how you play a thousand games before you're like 35 (laughs) the other guy that ended up having a great career which it didn't look like his stats were that good yet in beatingheim was michael wolf that guy was like a dl legend right yeah
0: he was the german national team captain he uh he was young, him and that Florian Young came to beatingheim together from Fusen. They were you know young kids. You know how it is in the second league, too. We had three stud Canadians on the first line, and he ended up playing on the third line, didn't sniff any power play time. I don't you could tell that he was good. He had an unbelievable shot. He was an unbelievable player, but he didn't really get a shot at the time, didn't get the opportunity. And he moved on to the DEL surprising. The guy became a legend, just kind of came into his own.
1: Yeah. And that can happen. You get the opportunity and you, you get the confidence and start going. Okay. Anyways, next question is you're there two years. You guys don't get it done. I know that because I am part of the team that did so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then you go to Straubing and you get the job done and actually get to go to the DL. So um, why did you leave beating I to go to Straubing? How's that mm-hmm. go down? Money. I had an offer from
0: Straubing. I had really good years. At the time, Straubing and Biedenheim were both
1: competing. They both wanted to win. They both wanted to go up. Can I say yeah. what your stats were? Because I thought they were banana lands. You had 68 and 61 points as a defenseman in Biedenheim. I was second in the <laughs> league in scoring when you with 69 points as a forward. So you must have really been doing her, eh? Yeah, like
0: we had, an, like I said, those three, for Kovalev who was a Belarus national player, Darren Ritchie, just a pure sniper, Uh, Craig Teeple, myself, and then we had a German, Marcus Wieland would play on the first power play, and maybe 40 out of those 69 are power play points. We were probably clipping at about
1: 35% that year. It was ridiculous. I actually had the same power play when I was in Beatingheim. Yeah, that's how I got all my points, too. (laughs) And I I played – I was a,
0: I lined up as a defenseman in the second league and that's about it. And then you're a rover,
1: eh? You are everywhere. Yeah. My defense partner was always just a stay at home shutdown guy and just did you, did you care if there was an F3 or you just had it covered? You you knew you could get back? You can get back. Like you get back. You know, you pick your spots. It, it wasn't irresponsible as it sounds, but. No, I know. I knew, I know you could, could do it. That's how it you. Just, yeah. Jump up in the play every single time on a rush every single time. I hate, hate those guys. I oh, absolutely no. hate those defensemen that like when you <laughs> go in on the four check and they pass it to somebody and then you can tell they start skating up the ice with a purpose and yeah. you're like, hold on, buddy. I just forechecked. Where are you going? Get back <laughs> here. Stay with me. We'll watch everybody skate up the ice. We'll get there like we when we want to but stop it when those guys take off and you're like oh my god if i don't catch him he's going to be the fourth man in and probably score the goal
0: usually wait for a guy like you to try to throw a little check slip out of the way
1: and then just head north oh you're the worst terrible yeah no that's not fun i don't like that so that's what you're doing to people like me eh? yeah uh, that's when, I mean, that's when coaches really got upset with me is when like, I would try really hard on the forecheck and then I I would get winded on the way back and there's yeah. no way I could keep up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. Uh, you know, I, I,
0: I'm a forward now in men's league over here in Phoenix and I don't like the back checking part of playing forward. You know, I don't like
1: the forward part of playing forward. If I played <laughs> now, I'd want to be defense and just make a pass up and cruise up and watch everybody. Yeah,
0: I'm the same way, but I end up going forward. I only do it once a week, and that's my exercise for the week, so I might as well go all
1: why So you guys do have hockey around there, eh?
0: Yeah, just a nice little over-30 league.
1: A league, eh? So they're keeping, like, wins and losses. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that'll get competitive, eh?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, the over-30 is not bad. I started playing in the younger A league here when I moved back, and there was a lot of young kids and – Thinking scouts are in the stands, you know how that goes. So that, that, yeah, that really quick because I didn't want to go fighting in men's league hockey. Didn't like it.
1: Sorry, I think I cut you off with your decision to Straubing because, um, you went there because they gave you a good deal and beating had good money when I went there. Um, and they were trying hard to win it. Um, but Straubing obviously was too. Um, And Straubing's a beautiful place. It's kind of like Lansu, right? They were the big rivals in the second league back from what I heard because they were so close. Yeah. And that's where I started.
0: Yeah, they were back in the day. They were pretty big rivals. But it was, I got offered a deal from Straubing, and I actually offered it to a beating. I'm like, match this and I'll stay. So they're like, no, we're not going to match it. So I was like, all right. And you
1: got your answer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, and then we ended up playing Straubing in the playoffs that year after I already signed with him. And then we ended up knocking him out of the first round. And I already signed with Straubing, which I thought was one of the craziest things of my life that I'm on the team. I'm playing for next year. And we just eliminated them from the playoffs.
1: um, The signing with teams before the season was over was one of the weirdest things I've ever heard of. Um, Like, when I was in the, the, for my first playoff drive in the second league, both teams that we put out during the playoffs right after we put them out offered me contracts Yeah, <laughs> and I was still in the playoffs. I know it's crazy. <laughs> I, I know. We were shaking hands with the one team and he goes, do you want to play for me next year? <laughs> <laughs> It's like I was like, dude, dude, I'm going to the finals now. What are you talking about? Oh, it's a, it's the Wild West, though. Eh? You can just sign with anybody, whatever the hell you want.
0: Anytime, like first month in the season, we had guys in Straubing that would have a good year in the DL, and they would get an offer like a month into the season, and they're already signed with his other team. We're losing every game of the year. you know, going, on winning one out of every four, or one out of every five, and they're going to Mannheim the next year or they're going to, France. you know, it, was, it was just crazy that you could sign with the team.
1: And then, during- and then still have half a season left. And I, they, I remember asking the Germans about that and, uh, and they just said, well, that's next year. Like we're, he's on this team this year. And I'm like, fair enough, but it's, I guess it's the football or soccer mentality. Right. Cause they know, I don't know, maybe I don't know anything about it. Very weird though.
0: Yeah. No. So, but I had a good time. I enjoyed beating Heim, but, at that time, you try to make as much as you can. So, financial decision. Well, you
1: made a great decision, just so you know. So, what were, were there any ties to Strobing other than the offer at that point? Uh, they were the team that
0: initially offered me the contract and pulled it away. Oh, dear. And, and I went to Bad Eibling.
1: They were playing yeah. tough to get, and the, the kind, of, yeah. So Well, then kind of so, made you want it more or what? <laughs>
0: well, they, they pursued me after that because they offered me out of bad idling too. And then every year they offered me and offered me. And oh, said, that's no. nice. Yeah. Jeez. So they. Golden shops. There you go. You got a nice little. Uh, Isn't that little nice? Going there.
1: I like all the beers they, they uh, provide. Um, so
0: why you and Kenzie got along so well.
1: We, yeah, we did get along well. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: So yeah, it was, uh, they kept pursuing me, pursuing me. Then finally, after the third year, they offered me the the right contract. So I went there and I had no other ties there. Nothing, didn't know anybody.
1: So that's when they're still in the second league and the first year there, you guys don't win it, right? Yeah, we lost in the finals to Deuceburg,
0: but that was the first lockout year. And they ended up getting a couple NHL guys or AHL guys at the end of the year and kind of stacked their team. And we lost, I think we lost in game five to Duisburg, and they went up to the DEL. So we finished first the whole year, had the best team, and then lost when they stacked from all the... Uh,
1: right, and that, and that team used to have money and then they went like bankrupt, right?
0: Yeah, their owner was, owned a strip club in... Uh, deuceburg so i'm sure it was just kind of like a money laundering scheme a lot of their money was probably not on the up and up but that's just
1: well, that would, it would make sense and then there's a little more cash flying around um you guys
0: for the- it, though, they? they had some nice cabin and fests at the uh
1: <laughs> well, they, they might even have some guests with
0: the food or what <laughs> yeah uh, entertainment and food a couple kebabs and <laughs> entertainment
1: oh yeah. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. That doesn't sound fun. Um, okay, so the second year, you guys do win it. Um, and I do know one guy that was on that team. I've met uh, Bill True. Oh, uh, Phil, yeah. Yeah. He, legend himself. Yeah, I ran into him and Kansy at Oktoberfest there when I was playing in LandSuit, and he, they were playing for you guys in Straubing. And uh, that's when they had just gone up to the DL, I guess, and then signed Kansy, right? Yeah. But anyways, that you guys end up winning it. So who do you beat?
0: We ended up beating Bremerhoffen. We went uh, up penguins. The, yeah, we beat the Penguins in Game Five up in Bremerhoffen. So we in went, the old barn. In, in the old, old barn. Book.
1: They um, were that good.
0: Yeah, they were good. They were just grinding. Like they always had the best German Canadians because they had that pipeline that they had in Canada that somebody would find it kid with a german last name and say are you is your grandfather german then they would get him a german pass they had they had kind of their own little niche with that so they always had really good german canadians and
1: then imports so uh, and yeah, you would... got a tough bus trip that they're used to come playoff time
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so we ended up winning in game five which is the final game we won i think three to two and you know, had a good time, partied after a little bit in Bremerhof and get ready to go on our bus and all four tires are slashed. Oh. So we can't even start heading home on the 13-hour bus trip or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, Bremerhoff, I guess we never told everybody the bus trip to Bremerhof it doesn't matter where you play in the league, it takes forever because it is right at the top, yeah, right?
0: It don't matter. It was probably
1: 12. I don't even know how long we... Yeah. You have a couple naps that day.
0: You'd have like six shutdowns.
1: Oh, God. And you, you didn't even have like iPads or anything. You were reading novels. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we were playing cards, schnarples up and back. Oh,
1: yeah. A lot yeah. of cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So then uh, Bremerhoff and Wrangles up a city bus from the city for us to drive back to Straubing 16 hours or you know whatever it is, 10 hours. And we're about... This is after you hours- win it. After we win, because our bus is done, someone's slit. We just left everything in Remmerhofen on the other bus. And because we wanted to get back, because by the time we get back, it'll be eight in the morning in Straubing. And we'll party with the fans because they were going to meet us. So we get on this city bus with a city bus driver and no GPS or anything. We wake up like six hours into it. And we're like, where the hell are we? We were at the Polish border. The guy was trying to go into Poland. He's like, I took a wrong turn. I don't know where I am. So the 12-hour trip turned into 16 hours. We get back to Straubing. It's, you know, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. The fans have been drinking since 6 a.m. waiting for us. And half of the people can't even
1: stand up. Like, they were so crippled. They would have been drinking like, from the night before when they won it. They yeah, wouldn't have
0: stopped. They just rolled it over, and so did we. We actually slept a little bit because we are so tired from it. But, we uh, we got back to Straubing, and half the fans can't even stand up. They're so crippled the, ice was gone so we were on the on the it was half water half ice guys were swimming on the ice sliding on it and then you know you go home clean yourself up and start over again and we did the parade you know, the next day or whatever it was but
1: it was oh it's so fun. fun winning over there and the fans just like i remember doing it at beatingheim and i'm sure it's similar like there were fireworks going off they were like lighting yeah. fires there's drums there's there's people with like the megaphones. It was nuts.
0: Every restaurant in town was like, come have a dinner, bring the cup. Like it, it was just nonstop. I, we probably partied for about a week there. It's, you know, some of the imports, they're gone first chance they get. So they already had their flight booked two days after the finals. But me and my wife, we always stuck around for a couple of years, a couple months after the season and traveled and just kind of lived a little bit over there. But you know, we did you ever get into the arbites Lois? Well, yeah, but the everybody's <laughs> close. First, first year over there, I have a Dutch passport so I can stay as long as I want in Europe.
1: Okay, to- but that's unemployment,
0: folks. Just yeah. like you know. <laughs> so I go to the I go to the office to get health insurance because the season ends. You only get it for eight months. I'm like, can I get health insurance? I just you know want to pay. We're gonna want to spend two months here. They're like, Well, you can't. You gotta file for unemployment. I'm like, I just want insurance for me and my family. I'm like, well, you can't do that. You got to collect the unemployment money, and then you can get health insurance. So they wouldn't let me buy health insurance that I wanted. I have to actually go on Arbeitslos lows and collect unemployment and you know, for a month or two get an extra paycheck for doing nothing.
1: Right. But like when I went over there and it was in Lansuit, they kind of like told guys they're like, you know, this is a possibility the way it kind of works is if you've signed a deal for the next year, they'll leave you alone because you know, they know you got a job coming up. Right. So yeah. like, yeah, I, I only did it once. I only did it one summer, but I heard of guys that tried to do it like every summer and it was the best summer I ever had, man. I got paid in the summer. Like yeah. I was getting paid. to
0: do it. I, ne- I never, when I left Germany, I always signed out. I never tried to risk it. Guys are like, yeah. One later on, they're like, just keep it all year. They'll give you a letter. Just fly back. I'm like, no nah, man i couldn't do it just couldn't i it. only
1: did it once i only had the nuts to do it once but it was because like you said i had been there for two months after the season and uh but um <laughs> yeah it's a it's just a whole funny thing so then you would have played over there too long you could have never collected the pension yet
0: no but uh i've already signed up for that so when i'm 65 i get you know it'll come Five, six hundred euros
1: a a month or whatever it is. Uh, At least you'll get that. Mine's all gone now. Yeah. That's I had to so that unemployment buddy. You have you can only play so many months in Germany, or you gotta wait till you're 65 to collect the pension, right? Yeah. So I was two months over, and it was because I collected unemployment (laughs) for four months. So I had to pay back the unemployment money to collect it.
0: (laughs) <laughs> oh, you did! Oh, so you could do that? I, I, yeah, I didn't know you could. Do that. I,
1: I had to say, I get yeah, fo- yeah. I was in Canada that summer. I'm sorry. Here's your money. <laughs> oh, I was well over that after whatever years. Yeah, you were, started. you were, you were six years over that. Yeah, yeah, there's no options there. Say we got sidetracked again. Sorry about that.
0: Arbite and Gel will do that yeah
1: Yeah, I didn't mean to do that. um So you guys winning in Germany. The fans just love you. But now you're saying when you go to the DL, they don't love you that much. But I was curious how the contract negotiations and everything go when the team goes from the second league to the first league. Because when I'm in Beatingheim and we win it in the second league, um, like, yeah, we didn't go up because of the crisis with the financial crisis or whatever. Um, but I was curious because then they start bringing in bigger money imports and they're like, well, you guys were second league imports. We're going to need DL imports now, right? Like how did that all go? They kept a couple of us.
0: I want to say they kept, I don't know, four or five of us. And you, you want to get paid DL money. So you kind of figure out, well, I'm uh, on this team. I'm going to be a number three or four defenseman. You're going to bring in two studs, kind of negotiate knowing that you're a third or fourth defenseman. First couple, I think I signed a two year deal. My first year, I don't remember what it was, but you know, it was a good pay raise from the second league. And then as my seasons progressed in the DL, it got better and better. And my last one was like a three year deal, which was pretty good.
1: Well, yeah, no. And then you find like, you found a home, right? There's a lot of guys that go to Europe and never find a home that like people like you, you fit in. Um, I can tell what you mean to the organization. If they, they retire your Jersey, it doesn't mean you're just a good hockey player, right? Yeah. Well, thanks. I appreciate
0: that. I I put a lot into that too. Like I, I had offers to go other places, but I, I liked it there. My family liked it. Both my kids were born there. My wife was with me there for whatever, nine of the years that we were over there, seven, eight years in Stroud. she was there. So We really got to know the people in the community. And like I said, we would spend a month to two months every year after the season, travel Europe, spend time in the community in Straubing. So it was just like, that was our home. We kind of lived there for nine years and it was fantastic.
1: It would have been a big adjustment then leaving. Um, I never stayed after, but like Bedingheim felt like home by, you know, the last couple of years. Like you've been there so long, you know, about everything, you know, when the festivals are, you know, the people that are there, you know, you go to the Cabina or not the Cabina, that's like the Christmas market, you know, everybody yeah. at their different shops and like, it's just different, right? you know, everybody.
0: Did you ever go to the Basin and the Ferdy Markt in Bedingheim? basin yeah that was the one where the farmers would host yeah and they you would know me- about that well oh, yeah I, I knew a guy in Bedingheim that would take me around and go to all these little places it was phenomenal but that's where <laughs> I
1: had a cabina fest I had my cabina fest for the beatingheim Steelers was there at a
0: basin workshop
1: yeah man it was, the, it was right near downtown it was where the farmers have all the stuff and uh we yeah. kind of rented out the place for the night and not sure if they're allowed back anymore because we had a Kazakhstan player that kind of got out of hand and decided to do the Russian knives on the table oh, um, around his hand, like, and yeah. he was like a goal scorer and he did it. He didn't cut off his finger, but um, it kind of ruined their table.
0: Yeah, I could see him being pissed about that.
1: But yeah, no, I I love Germany and there was always a festival
0: every every quarter. There was a Christmas market. Straubing had that Bowie Bowden fest, which was. In my opinion, better than Oktoberfest. We that was crazy. That was so much fun. Yeah, I, uh,
1: I, from that. But you're right though, is like did you say Cansy was banned from it? Yeah, I think his the my last year
0: with him, he was forbidden to go to Goiboden Fest because
1: got out of control every year you know if you're not going (laughs) they they never said that to me but they implied (laughs) (laughs) but like honestly the ones in the small towns like everybody knows about oktoberfest and it's munich but like what people don't know is that all these other towns like stuttgart when you're in beatingheim they have volksfest or whatever it is right and it lasts a week and there's the same big beer tents that you wouldn't know where you are And it's incredible. It's just so fun.
0: Yeah, I like that about the little towns because you're actually in there with the Germans, like in their culture. You go to the Oktoberfest and you're kind of hanging out with Australians, Americans, Canadians, Aussies. It's way more tourism, yeah. It's comfortable, but it's just, it's a big tourist trap for the most part. The Germans go to the traditional German tents, but uh, our main sponsor in Straubing was Hacker Shore and they had two tents at the Oktoberfest. So we so you guys was, were there every year. Every year we were there. We'd start up in the VIP lounge, like unlimited food, unlimited drinks, like whatever you wanted. They treated us like absolute kings, and then we would kind of just work our way down and kind of have our own little uh, Oktoberfest. Go to different tents. run into guys, probably like you and Kanzi ran into each other. You just that's run into exactly them. what happened. Yeah, yeah. But no, I, like people ask me, I, I've probably been to Oktoberfest,
1: honestly, probably fourteen times. Wow. No, that's impressive. I only got to go like three times, uh, but I got to go to like the Stuttgart one, the Beatingheim yeah. one every year. Like every town's got their own thing, and it really is the same thing. And it is so flipping fun. I loved it so much. It was, it like that. That's when Wally feels like he's at home, is when he's at a tent like that (laughs) yeah
0: yeah well young kelvin was too as i aged i aged out of it but i know
1: it would be different now eh be all grown up probably wouldn't even be smashing masks against each other's hands i bet you we could do it again oh no we would still have the odd moss slap together so yeah no you're right okay so um out of before we head out of strobing we got to talk about this so you guys suck though most years right so you could have left and maybe once a bunch of games and like you're a competitive guy, you want to win, you want to do well, but like you're, you know, w- when you're in Europe and you're signing up to play for a team like strobing in the DL, you're kind of signing up to like, not do good.
0: The, I will a say team. For the first four years in the DL were like that. Like it was, it was a process. You don't have the funding that you have. You're not, you don't have the name recognition. It's, it's like German soccer though. You look at it, it's the same four teams winning every single year. It's the same four teams in the English league because they don't have a salary cap. They just do whatever they want financially. So Straubing, they were really going through a lot of growing pains the first four years, kind of try some players out, don't work out. It was tough, but I was pretty vested in it just from coming from the second league. I felt like I was part of this building process they were extremely loyal to me and i felt extremely loyal to them at the same time then by about year 5 was when we started to turn it around and were competing and went for a run and then my second to last year we made the playoffs we won the first round played the second round and i think we actually one of the years there we went to the quarterfinals or semifinals and lost to berlin so it was really a process which was a lot of fun for me going through I I get it man Mm -hmm. I
1: I totally get it because like I was totally invested in Beatingheim, and like when I thought we were going up to the DL when we won it I'm like I want to go to the DL with this team and I would want to stay with them because I know them and they know me and then we didn't go up and I hurt my knee and then you bring in a new coach next thing you know you know it's not the same relationship but it could have been so different and Like when you, you do get so invested in the town, you know, the people, and you want to do well for all of those people, right? Yeah, for sure.
0: You want to do well for the organization. You paid you good money over the last five, six, seven years, whatever it is. They put a lot into it, and you put a lot into it. And that's it, yeah. just how European sports are. Look at the EIHL. There's the top three teams, and then there's the bottom rest. And whoever has money does well. There's no parody because teams just pay. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. People ask like, why, why did you stay? Why it was so bad? I really, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was some rough years, especially when it's November and you're almost eliminated from the playoffs and you got five months left to go. But I'll tell you what though, some of those times after when you have no pressure and you're just showing up to play, we had some fun those nights too.
1: Right. And, and outside of
0: the ring, outside of the have Exactly.
1: The like, and, and the, the fun you can have in Germany, man, like it is a great place to yeah. live. It's a, like, it's like Rob Collins says, if you have anything bad to say about living in Germany, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. You're the idiot for not having a good time there.
1: Yeah. Um, Cause it is fun. Okay. So. Well, I guess we should talk about this now before we move on is, the night you get your jersey retired. And how do you find out that's happening? Uh,
0: so that happened. They wanted to retire it that year. And I was like, just let me finish
1: playing hockey. Uh, I don't know. Like just, They, they gonna, wanted to retire they wanted... it like your last year in Straubing?
0: So they did. But then, like, the one picture I sent you uh, has my whole family on the ice with me. That was my last home game with the Straubing tigers and they brought my family over there. Cause I knew that at that point that, I was moving on. So at that point they brought my family over, just did a nice thank you for my last game of the year. My dad, my mom, both my sisters, uh, they're my nephews. They were all at that game for my last game of the year. So who paid for you know, those flights? I don't know. It wasn't uh, the
1: team they, they paid, paid for
0: all those. They paid for my mom's and my dad's. Yeah. Really? Yeah, they brought my mom and my dad over. My sister at the time, my younger sister was living with me in Straubing. So actually at that time she might've been in Munich, but quick touch on that quickly. She graduated from university, didn't know what to do. I was like, come to Germany, you got your Dutch passport, I'll get you a job at the uh, Irish pub in town and then there's an English speaking school. So I got her jobs at those places, but she just had to trade that she would be our nanny we had two kids at the time so she was our nanny living at our house and taking care of our kids and working and having an absolute ball that's uh, a good setup oh it was the best setup and her and my wife lived she was with us for about three years and it was the best yeah setup. her got along great and it made my life a lot easier i didn't touch a diaper for three years it was fantastic <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah those things can stink <laughs> oh God. yeah when they start growing up though their shit stinks way different
0: oh that's totally different wait, my son's uh you know they're going through stuff and they start stinking a little bit more as they get older
1: oh okay i won't get sidetracked about that um so they do that for your last game but yeah. i want to know then If you knew you were moving on, they know you're moving on. How do you guys all come to that conclusion that like, you're going to go to Belfast and leave Straubing?
0: Uh, NBA? Well, my last year in Straubing, I ended up contract. I became a type one diabetic. So near the end of the year, I got a virus and the virus attacks your pancreas and kills your insulin, insulin producing cells. So I was like, holy, it was life changing for me. I know, uh, you I think you had Lee Salters on one. I I spoke with him a little bit about it. He's a type one diabetic as well. And so I really didn't know if I was going to be able to continue to play. You didn't get
1: that till then.
0: Yeah, like it, it's still called it late onset juvenile diabetes, but I ended up being a 35-year-old that had a one in a million chance of contracting it and got it. So I ended up contracting type 1 diabetes, life changed. Uh, so at that point, I knew that I was going to be done in Straubing and I wanted to do an MBA. My wife previously did an MBA uh, online while she was in Germany and taking care of the kids. Which good for her still to this day i don't know how the heck she did that
1: but yeah
0: yeah and then uh so i reached out to a bunch of teams at this point i was my own agent i was doing my own deals in germany and then i reached out to my buddy in straubing who was starting to become an agent and he just started reaching out to all the eihl teams and todd responded and you know, asked me, he's like, Hey, I, you just got diabetes. Can you play? I'm like, yeah, for sure. No problem. I have no idea how it would go, how it would turn out.
1: Elgin whip It went all right, folks. He won <laughs> defenseman of the year and led the league in goals. They won the championship. So I think it went okay. <laughs> yeah,
0: So that was it. I signed <laughs> in Belfast, went up to Belfast and
1: dominated everybody. And you finally got to start winning some games. eh? Yeah. Well, the last two years
0: in Stroudman, we won a lot. Like
1: we did. Well, we is did that well. right? So, you yeah. were you, how, how many times did you make the playoffs in your nine years there? Uh, five. Okay. Is that well, like, two, are, you ta- are you counting pre playoffs or are you actually getting to the dance? Uh,
0: well, the playoffs were the pre playoffs and we won the pre playoffs both years.
1: Okay. Then you can count that. Yep. Yeah. We went. That's pretty good then. Cause yeah, so then was, there, yeah, then there's still a handful of teams worse than you every year.
0: Yeah. There's like three teams worse. That's good. But another one year we finished uh sixth place, so we didn't even play in the pre-playoffs. That was the year we lost to Berlin in the semifinals. So
1: that'd be fun. That fans would have loved that, eh? Being in the semifinals, the DL
0: against Berlin. It was just crazy. Straubing has, you know, you could fit six thousand at best. We probably had seven, eight thousand people in there just mashed in there.
1: Did uh when I went to visit Kansas and had a quick sleepover one night, um was I think that was his first year there. And you guys, did you guys not have to fix up your arena to stay in the first league?
0: Yeah. Well, it was open in the one end. So it was like, that's what it was.
1: They were in the middle of doing the Renos or something when I was there, I think.
0: Yeah. So they, which, you know, when we played in the second league, it was bloody cold in January and February. And then in August, when you would start, the sun would beat down on the one end and melt the ice. So you kind of had to do three quarter drills. It was pretty comical.
1: Well, yeah, uh, there are some weird situations over there.
0: Well, what's that? Augsburg, they still, I don't know if they're still open, but when I was there at the last day, they were still wide open and it
1: was cold. Oh, there's there. There were some ranks of the second league that were. That I think they're still the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Krimichow, you would have played at Krimichow. Oh, heck
0: yeah. Krimichow, yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. They, they had that... uh was it there that had the lawn on the side of the rink or was that
1: bad? No, they had the forest at the one end. Um, okay, yeah. No,
0: that was a, that was an interesting city driving into.
1: Yeah. No, they're, they're like, Germany is an interesting place. Like, and you learn so much by going there. Cause like, it's weird. Cause like when you go to where West Germany was like Bavaria, where you were living and then yeah. you had the Weißwasser and those towns up there and you're like, where am I? You know, yeah.
0: Yeah. as soon as you get to the Wesley, it's like driving from Alberta to Saskatchewan, you just start hitting potholes (laughs) (laughs) Anyone that's driven over the Alberta Saskatchewan border knows that right away. As soon as you get into Sask, it just gets a little bit rougher and a little bit tougher.
1: I won't say anything bad about Michigan. You know, the in-laws are from there, but when you cross the border, the roads (laughs) just are a little different.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is. It hits a a little different.
1: Um. Okay. Lost track of where we are again. So then you go to Belfast, play for Todd and do really good. And how does it go with the diabetes? Like what, what, what all changes in your life? What all do you got to do then?
0: Well, uh, when I got diagnosed in Germany, I I, I just, I say, I I got so lucky I got sent to the Olympic hospital in Munich that handles all their athletes. So I spent 10 days there learning all about diabetes, learning about how to calculate. How'd you find out you had it? Uh, I ended up losing like 30, 25 to 30 pounds in two weeks. And I was going to the bathroom. It's the the telltale is you lose weight, you're thirsty and eyesight and you're always tired. So I lost like 25, 30 pounds, which for me is a lot. I maybe weighed 180, 175, then down to 145, 150. And I was going to the bathroom like four or five times a night. Uh, constantly thirsty and then just ex- extremely exhausted. I remember skating on the ice and just having zero energy or zero power. So I ended up going to our family doctor and they do all these tests. And at the very end, she's like, I'm just gonna test your blood sugar. She grabbed a meter, pricked my finger. An average person runs at about 100 is your normal score for the day or the average that you wanna run at. I was at about 650, which you know is six times higher anywhere above 600 is when you can start to go into a diabetic coma. So she, uh, obviously sent me to the hospital. I went to Munich, spent 10 days there, learned all about it and carried on.
1: Okay. Um, and it's gotten easier over the years, right? Like you get used to what you got to do. And, um,
0: yeah. yeah, it was a learning experience that year in, uh, Belfast. It was a little bit harder just after a game, I got to make sure I have food. I got to make sure I have a drink. And, you know, sometimes you're in wherever Brayhead and there's no food after the game for two hours till you get to the ferry or whatever you're doing. So it was kind of, it was a learning experience and I'd always have to have a bag full of candy just to keep my blood sugar up with my insulin if I ended up going high, but it was a learning process. I was learning how to become a diabetic. I was in a new league in a new city. And I was doing my MBA at all, all at the same time. So it was, uh, it was. An- so how do you end up
1: reaching out to salt?
0: Uh, just, when I played against him there, cause I found out he was, someone said, Hey, he's a diabetic. So I just, you know, after the hand, you know, the, the handshake after he's like, Hey, just wanted to say, you know, I'm a diabetic too. And he's like, Oh, you know, let's talk after the game. And I just kind of shot the shit a little bit and talked about it and kind of said, you know, How's this? How's that? And so, and then I played with other diabetics, so I picked their brains as well. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I say I'm lucky to get it at my age. I was 35. I was winding way down from you know the partying, the drinking, which I pretty much eliminated most of that for the you know I'll have drinks here and there, but not like back in the convenience yeah. fest days when you go <laughs> black out and you do whatever you do. So. Uh, you know, I, I changed my diet. I eliminate a lot of the carbohydrates that affect your blood sugar a lot. So yeah. move on and treat it like a challenge, like everything in our life.
1: Oh, no, yeah. And, uh, I guess, yeah, you're still living with that, but, uh, the way you dealt with that, that year is quite impressive, man. Like there's a lot of guys that would come from the DLF, the career you've had where they're already trying to retire your Jersey. And then you come to Belfast and think you're, you know, the big dick swinging sheriff in town, but you didn't do that. You actually were (laughs) with diabetes. You came in, you won defenseman of the year. Your team wins the league. Um, So I guess it didn't affect you that much that year, eh?
0: No, I had a lot to prove to myself. You know what it's like, Wally. It it keeps
1: you driven, right, when you got something else to prove?
0: I didn't want to. The biggest thing is I didn't want to be a failure to Todd because he, you know, he, and you know what it's like, it's there's only two scholarships that they give for the NBA. It's a lot of pressure and you're coming in taking one of those two spots that could go to another player. But I, I, I just didn't want to disappoint them. And I wanted to prove to myself and you're an athlete, you know what it's like to be like that. So
1: Oh, God, um, yeah.
0: yeah I, that's probably the most proud I've ever been in a season having the year that I had and then kind of basically changing my life how i live
1: no and you should be very proud of that you're um you're doing an mba you got kids and you, and you're learning how to deal with that that is a full season sir yeah.
0: but i will say my wife over the years was phenomenal with everything like when it was hockey time she would take the kids out of the house so i could have my two-hour pre-game nap no matter what was going on outside and You know, when I was doing my MBA, I'd come home. Everything was, how I I didn't have to do anything around the house. Obviously, did a lot with the kids when I could, and did what we could. But you know what it's like doing the MBA and playing hockey. It's, it's very time consuming.
1: Well, you if you got kids, you definitely need a wife that can handle it for you, so you can get your shit done, right?
0: Yeah, no, I owe a lot. I owe a lot to her. Like I played what seventeen years pro and not once. She said when I was playing, she's like, I'll never ever tell you to stop playing, but when you're done playing, you're done. Like you're not going to coach in Des Moines, Iowa or, you know, stuff like that. So. Well,
1: it's a different life, man, the hockey world and getting on those buses and all that, like you start getting into the coaching game. That's a whole different gig, right? And I'm extremely grateful. I didn't like, I love my job that I have right now. And your like, kids have a home, you know, yeah,
0: it's Great. That's great. So like, I'm extremely grateful for her for allowing me to pursue my love for 17 years and never once say she actually talked me into playing my second year in Belfast. I was done. I didn't want to play anymore. I was like, this is perfect. I'm done. She's like, I love it here so much. The kids love it here. Let's sign another year. And I was like, all right, like, let's do it. And I said, hey, Todd, we want to sign again. He's like, really? Like, I thought you were one and done. I was like, yeah, no, I want to play again. But
1: well, that's like, what the UK league can do to you, right? Is because you go over there thinking, I just want my MBA and play one year. Yeah. And then you get there and you meet the fans, you meet the players that, I mean, you've been playing in Germany. There's a lot of different cultures. Um, Everybody's different experiences, but you get to the UK and like there's a Canada, UK type of, uh, I don't know, like the guys just get along and you're a team and you just, I don't know, man, it was the best time I ever had. And I'm so thankful I finished there.
0: Yeah. HL easy and hard to leave. <laughs>
1: it, it is right. Like it's hard. It, it's hard to stop if it wasn't for my need. Jeez. You know, yeah. like it's so fun, right?
0: Yeah. We, uh, we absolutely love Belfast. If anybody ever has a chance to go play or visit there, it's, we love Straubing, but we absolutely loved Belfast and would live there full time. We almost did. We had a we had the decision to stay there full time, and we obviously decided to come back here. But it was a place that we fell in love with and would spend every day there if we could. We oh, thought the people did. were messing with us the first year we were there. Like, there's no way human beings are this nice. Like, they're they're messing with us. And then like a month into it, like these people are actually this nice and they're actually this engaged with their people. And you're All walking right. to the butcher in downtown and people are talking to you. They don't know you, but they're just friendly. You go to a pub. Next thing you know, you're six is deep with some random Irish guy and you're having the best night
1: of your life. Yeah. It's a whole different world. And it's and like, yeah, you're right. And the atmosphere in Belfast, I was only there like the road trips, right? When you get to yeah. stay overnight, but they were great nights and uh no, it's it's it so everything in the MBA went fine then. So it was only a one-year thing.
0: It was like the you know, you do the eight classes, then you gotta write that dissertation, but you could write that dissertation at home. Year. So I went home, I wrote my dissertation in Phoenix, and then ended up going back the next year and it finished probably in October, whatever it was, and then graduated and that was my second season when i was in belfast there
1: okay so that and then yeah the second year in belfast is when i get to play against you and then uh yeah you guys put us out of the playoffs um but we did win the challenge cup but no that's how that all goes and uh Belfast seemed like a great place to play, man. The arena, that bar that's in the arena, whatever, what Rocky something. Yeah, it's closed
0: now, but Rockies there. It was there. There's so many good pubs. Like, you know what it's like in the UK It's just, just pick a spot and you're going to have a time. Oh, yeah,
1: out. you're right. And it's a heck of a league. And then you get educated, you get a good job now, and uh, well, Bob's your uncle, eh?
0: Exactly. It's perfect. But back to that first year quickly, I just wanted to touch on that we ended up winning the league with two months left in the season. Like we were that good. I think so. We you were on, on that team. Yeah. We went on like a 26 game undefeated streak. Like we didn't lose a game for 26 games and we just rolled over the league. And by the end of the year, we were playing for nothing the last two years and it ended up hurting us because we ended up wrapping it up so early that we lost in the challenge cup final to, I think Nottingham and then we lost in overtime for the, the playoffs finals against Sheffield or whoever. I can't remember
1: who it well, was. When you lose your edge, you lose your edge, right?
0: Yeah, but we still like made it to the finals and lost in overtime in the Challenge Cup. I believe I might have even been a shootout and then we lost the playoff finals. Like We were that good. Oh, so of-
1: you were close enough to almost win in the hat trick or what's yeah. called the Grand Slam.
0: Whatever it was, but we also got ahead of ourselves too. We are like, oh man, wouldn't it be sweet playing like, WWF belts with all three titles on the belt. And okay, yeah. We're, we're, you know we're going who is add...
1: all on your team? Who were who were the like keyfers there? Keyfers
0: there. Chevry was there. Surrette. uh, Jeff Swez came from Germany. Who was a tough player? We had Colin Shields in net. We had Murph uh, D. We had Jeff Mason. Uh, Mark Garside was a forward at the time, but he plays D now apparently. Cody Brookwell
1: was on the team. I know pretty much every one of those guys so far.
0: Yeah. And then of course the the staple that Andrew Dickinson, the third string goalie there that was just an absolute beauty. The kid I don't know if you had a third string uh, Welsh goalie or whatever it was, but this guy would show up every day, love the game of hockey more than anybody on the team and would just take high clappers and just show up the next And just day. eat them? Just eat them. And then, you know, he'd get his odd period of play in and it'd be like he won the Stanley Cup, which rightfully so. The kid was a roller hockey player growing up and then just decided to strap on pads at 13 or 14 and didn't play any organized hockey, really. And Now he's
1: out with a pro team as the third goalie.
0: Yeah, and he gets ice time and he's a pretty damn good goalie. I think the kid actually had some tutelage growing up and played as a kid. You never know, you know?
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um I, I heard about that team I just because that was the year I'm heading to Cardiff, and like I hear Belfast is the tits. And yeah. I actually tried to contact Todd, the GM of Belfast, yeah. and he was then with Cardiff, and I end up signing with Cardiff.
0: Actually, okay, I heard that when you talk to him, that's a funny story. Yeah. Well, Todd also, when I wanted to resign, was already getting ready to go to Cardiff.
1: Right. And he did, and he saw, did the do the deal with you? Or yeah, wow, did, was that English? Read. Did I say that right? Did he do good. the deal with you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. He did. And, and then he, left. And then, and then left. But he didn't, he didn't try to, like, there was no, there was, it wasn't even a question to root the family up and go to Cardiff. Like, it wasn't even. Wow. Well, no. Yeah. And he wasn't going to do that to Belfast. So like, he's an extremely loyal guy.
1: He's one of the best guys in hockey. And, like, when you talk about what he did in Belfast, how good your teams were, and now you look at what Cardiff is. Like, the guy's a bit of a genius, and he knows what he's doing, but he gets enough tire pumps around here. We don't need any more, right?
0: The last thing about him is just too bad he never went and tried somewhere else. Like what, was, And that's the thing, right? Berlin. Like, I know he had an opportunity in Berlin, but he, he just seems like a great hockey mind, and it's almost – not wasted on the EIHL. I know it's it's easy and hard to leave, but if he actually pursued it, you never know.
1: Well, I know. I know. There he the sky's the limit for that fella. Yeah, and for
0: about five, his head's big enough as
1: it is. I agree. Yeah, guy doesn't even get back to you all the time when you text him. So,
0: I've been Uh, ghosted by him too. Don't worry.
1: uh, Everybody has. Then all of a sudden, he'll respond. It's like a week later. You're like, I I forgot I wrote to you. (laughs) Who who is this? Um, Well, I'm not sure what else I got here other than uh, like the career you put together. Um, I, I, the way hockey goes is like you don't last as long as you did without being a good dude and a good teammate and a good player for that matter. But it's mainly about being a good teammate and dude, because even if you're really good, those guys get weeded out in hockey when uh, you get into however many years, like, you know, people ask around it's, it's like doing this. It doesn't take long to ask around to find out about people. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and like, you're getting rave reviews. You got a place retiring your jersey. Like, I, I, I mean, you got to be very proud of what you've done. And I hope your kids listen to this someday and like it.
0: Yeah, well, you know, we'll see. They always downplay it a little bit. But hopefully they're proud someday, and we'll listen. yeah. They don't want to
1: get get you having a big head too, right? No,
0: no, no. They keep me humble. That's for darn sure. My whole Are you
1: ripping up the Arizona League though, in thirty plus?
0: Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm. am a hot commodity in the thirty plus playing against guys. That just Dominant power working. forward now. <laughs> power forward. Well, power has never been part of my game, but forward.
1: <laughs> well, fun. I really, as I really like. I don't know. I. Uh, when you play against guys and you're like, you respect them. Um, I knew what you had done in the DL, but then I played against you at Belfast and just the way you played. um, Like I enjoyed it. I, I was like, wow. Like if I played with him in Germany, I think that would work. Like the way you were like the the offensive defenseman and I could see how it fit and um, then being a good dude. And I'm glad you got to win though. I'm glad you got to go to Belfast and win before you were done.
0: Yeah, no, it was good. Like, one in Germany, the second league, one Belfast. That was kind of a nice little crown at the end of the career. I lost the Pure Later Cup, which was the Bantam Championships with Lethbridge, and then lost the you know the NCAA national championship, which still to this day, after whatever 25 years still hurts. Can't even think about it half the time, but I can imagine
1: uh, because like your college buddies are like your best buddies in all of hockey, right? And to lose with them, I couldn't even imagine because we knew we were going to lose at Western Michigan. I couldn't imagine going into the national championship with my buddies from Western Michigan. I couldn't even imagine
0: it. Uh, that is still to this day the closest team that I've ever been on. We still have a group text message, the '96 Tigers, and we always, you know, someone's birthday, we'll chat, we'll tell a story in there. Like it's, it's the closest team I ever had, and it was something special that. You know, I feel sad for some people that don't have everyone's got a close team. There's always that one team that was definitely the team that when I look back after my four year college, 17 years, that that was the team that I you is know, the closest to my heart. We didn't win, but it was just something special with that whole team.
1: Oh yeah, and then like at the age you're at in college and everything, it's fun growing up with the guys and going through all that. Um, yeah. but yeah, um, well, I I thank you for making this work with me. Um, and thank you for making the time to come on with me.
0: No, well, it was my pleasure, Wally. I appreciate you reaching out and uh, pestering me a little bit. You know, just oh, wanted yeah. to say congrats on a nice podcast. I enjoy listening to it on my. 35-minute commutes to work on the odd day, I'll pick a player that, oh, I played against that guy, and I think uh, this was in my brain for years, like, man, it would be great to tell stories of the minor leagues, and little little Wally's (laughs) two-year-old hockey tales was already going.
1: (laughs) No, I, yeah, I thought of it one day, and it didn't take me long to decide to just do it, because as soon as I thought of it, it made me so happy, and it's made me so happy since, and that's why I do so many of them, is because I, I think all of the guys like you that have lived all over the world and like you got jerseys retired in Germany, man, nobody in Straubing, Germany is going to wear number 24 again. And like, probably nobody around Arizona or nobody in your hometown even fucking knows that, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, the men's league I play on, I don't even get to wear 24. There was a guy, Tim Jolly, that was wearing it already with the Mustangs. Like, what do we get? I didn't even get 24 when I got here. I got big time by my buddy. <laughs>
1: You're going to have to take him out for dinner or something, eh? Well, he, he's my golf league buddy, too. So, you
0: <laughs> know, I, 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 out of respect, I let him wear 24. You know, he's he's earned it in Phoenix, so it's his jersey. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's all about the town, right? It's
0: <laughs> Yeah. Uh,
1: exactly oh man no but it's it's really cool that you got to experience that and uh that only happens by like being a good dude and being a good guy in the, the community and a good teammate and uh yeah got a lot of respect for you and i did playing against you so way to go
0: well yeah i appreciate that <laughs> i think people have had enough listening to me and you talk so
1: okay <laughs> So this has been another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Alfie and Wally.
0: Some people clap on the one and three. Some people clap on the two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm. And that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough, some people are just like me, I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott, I'm gold bands, I'm like peace out